Welcome to the Disability Cricket Podcast. My name's Sean and I'm the host of today's show. And today I'm joined by Callum Flynn. You probably all know who Callum is. He's been playing uh, international disability cricket for about 10 years now. Uh, He's 26 years of age. He won a World Cup back in 2015. Hello, Callum. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, The painkillers are working and I'm quite happy at the moment. So it's good. Uh, this is the first, this is the second of three episodes I'm recording in 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 three days. Uh, I recorded um, a young girl last night called Lucy Hunter. I'm recording you today, and I think I'm recording somebody else up your way tomorrow. Brian oh. Lever, do you know him? Brian Lever, yeah, yeah, I've got him on um, social media actually. I think he's um, from actually no, he's not from your way, is he? Um, I don't know where he's from. I'm never. Um, Never known actually where he's from, but I have got him on social media and we've we've interacted a few times. Right. So the first question I ask every guest on the podcast is, how did you discover disability cricket? Um, so I got recommended to um, Lancashire County Cricket Club or someone recommended me to them um, from one of the local clubs that we used to play against because Lancashire Disability Team used to train at Berry Cricket Club um, and they were quite like sort of our rivals when I used to play for Swinton Moorside in Salford so and was quite close to well we used to play against them all the time in the junior section their coach was quite um, pally and friendly with with our club and he spoke to my dad about um, maybe me coming down and training with Lancashire um, so that was the first time I ever heard of disability cricket, really. Right, and you haven't you haven't turned turned away since, have you? You know. No, no, it's been a been a bit of a roller coaster ever since. Right, and something we don't usually touch on on the disability cricket podcast is we don't usually talk much about disability, but we are on this. I've asked your permission. You said it's okay, so we are today. Yeah. We're going to talk about about you because you got diagnosed with cancer at the age of 14 and this is something which there's probably a lot of people up and down the UK who, who would be aged you know 12 13 14 getting diagnosed daily so this is this you know you, there's going to be quite a few people out there who would be in a similar position you were in at the age of 14. Yeah definitely um, so I got diagnosed with bone cancer on my 14th birthday um, and it's such a rare form of cancer but mainly targets sort of teenage kids um, and not many people have heard about it bone cancer really which is quite depressing really considering it targets so many young children um, so you feel like it should be spoke about a bit more um, but then I think it was I don't know what year it was in it was probably when I was about 17 18 um, and then Jamie Goodwin entered the squad um, and Jamie Goodwin also had bone cancer um, I knew of Jamie just before he entered the squad, um, but ever since we've become like best friend, uh, best mates, and you know we're really close. Um, I was one of his groomsmen at his wedding recently, and he also had the same form of cancer, which was which was quite mad, really, considering it's such a rare disease. And then there's two of us in the same squad together, so um, it's a nice little story for for ourselves regarding bone cancer and their charity. 
and, and what we've gone on to do. And at the age of 14, you were told you would probably never play cricket again, weren't you? Yeah, so I, I used to play plenty of sports like football. I, I, I used to dip my hand into everything, badminton, trampolining, and basically I had to stop all contact sport. And they said, you know, they said prepare for never never potentially playing sport again. Um, sometimes you could you could potentially never run again or, um, or run properly again, should we say. So, unfortunately... Well, I say for, fortunately for me, I was able to sort of adapt to uh, my titanium knee replacement, which I've got now, and and you know running. I I had to learn and I had to learn again how to walk, run. Um, but ever since it's been it's been a bit of a breeze in terms of you know I don't get any pain, I don't have any problems with my titanium knee replacement, so I've been quite lucky in that aspect. You say you've been quite lucky, but then you've you've had to have that replaced. So you're on knee number two, aren't you? Uh, knee yes. number, sorry, knee number three now. Yeah, really. knee number three. Um, yeah, so I had to have it replaced when I was 17 um, because it was causing stress fractures in my shin. Um, so I had to have a full reoperation, full knee replacement in again, and basically I had to learn how to walk and run again. There's a lot, there's a lot more quicker process this time because sort of muscle memory and, and I'd done it before um, and I was already a bit stronger like overall like my body so yeah it was a lot easier the second time round um, but it was still tough you know you're still going through physio every week and stuff like that and uh, when we were chatting before we started recording you used to play for Lancashire and you don't anymore uh, why Why is that? yeah it's just because how busy I am really Um you know, you get the few messages and, and comments here and there saying, why aren't you playing for Lancashire? And and a few a few comments. Of what we probably get viewed. A lot of the PD lads don't really play. Um, mainly this Middlesex lads probably play more often than anyone. Um, someone like James Nardin and them lads. Um, but the amount of cricket we play at club club level and we all play a really good standard... It's quite tough just to commit to everything because we have a lot of PD fixtures. Um, we've obviously got the DPL now. And then, personally for me, I do so much coaching. I coach um, two sets of junior clubs. Um, and then I'm currently doing my level three myself. So it's all a bit too much, really, to play every every Sunday. I play probably 10 to 15 Sundays a season um, across with England clubs club fixtures like cup games etc so to, to then pl- take my other Sundays up in the summer uh, it just wouldn't be fair really for my for my body and and for my sort of family and friends and do you have any children uh, no I don't have any children I was going to say uh, I, 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 I wasn't sure whether you did or not but even no, so if you're playing say 20 Saturday games for a club is that is that right you do yeah, about 22, I think, something like that. Yeah. So if you're that. playing 22 Saturday games and then you're playing a few uh, England training camps and England games, because the England team, they don't, they don't play internationals. You play against the army and stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, so, in, in the summer, yeah. So you'd have those fixtures as well. And as you said, you're doing your level three. And we, we, we spoke before recording about your level three and the amount of 
time and effort you have to put yeah. into that, you know, building a portfolio. So it's understandable that you can't play some. Well, that's what I mean. I train, I train with the with my club cricket on a Thursday. We play T twenties on a Friday in a league. Um, play club cricket on a Saturday. Sometimes I'll have a cup game or an England fixture, and then I'm coaching on a Monday. Um, so the only three days I get in a week in summer are sort of Wednesdays and Sundays when I'm not playing with England. Um, so, you know, we do, we do get the odd comment a bit slyly saying, why aren't you playing county cricket for Lancashire or something? You know, do you think you're too good and all that? It's nothing to do with that. It's literally just to do with keeping ourselves happy away from cricket. And, and you know, if I'm happy away from cricket, that'll help my cricket when I'm actually playing as well. So, yeah, and if you're playing a Friday and a Saturday, you need a rest day, don't you? Oh yeah, exactly. And <laughs> people don't quite understand that. Right. So, you've, how long have you been with the England setup then, the England PD team? Um, so I first um, got into the squad in 2011. Uh, I trialed in Malvern, and then got into the squad probably a week later. I found out, and then the first tour was in 2012. So yeah, it's, it's coming up to my 11th year with the squad. And do you know how many games you've played? Oh, international or? Uh, any. I'll take any number. How many tours have we had? 12, 14, um, 15, 16, 18, 19. I'd say about mm, probably around 30 international games, maybe a bit more. That's a lot. You know, of... Maybe more than 40 because I've played, I've never missed an international game. I've been fortunate enough to play in every international game we've played. Um, and more or less, I've probably only missed one or two. One or two fixtures in the summers, to be honest, because, you know, playing for England's the best thing. So I always try and make sure all, all my commitments are based around playing for England, really. And that's a big commitment, then, if you've played 30, 40 games, you know. Something's got to give eventually, hasn't it? You know. Yeah, it's it's, you know, I do... You know, I absolutely love it and, and all the boys do. And it's what we... Um, it is effectively what you live for because you're, you're in that environment that you love, that you've always wanted to be in a, as much as it's not the, you know, the test team that you always had dreams of playing for as a kid. Um, you're playing at the highest level for England that you can possibly achieve now. Um, so, it's you know, it's absolutely fantastic that we get that opportunity to play that many games and hopefully, you know, I can reach a sort of milestone one day of playing um, the most international games. I'm probably I'm probably at the top of most international games in the squad, even past players. So hopefully I can keep taking that, that number up and then hopefully someone can beat me one day um, in the next few years. Okay. And um, are you looking forward to the season? Because the season is going to be starting in a few months' time. And yeah. obviously, with with no COVID restrictions, possibly as well. Yeah, it'll be nice just to have a season of nothing, won't it? Um, so hopefully, it'll be a good year. We're back in the prem with my club team, so it's going to be a really tough season for us. Um, but it'll be exciting because the better standard of cricket, the the better um, level I think it brings out of myself. So I'm looking forward to seeing how how well I can do this year. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back with the England boys. Obviously, it's always a pleasure to to meet up with them, and we always have a great laugh, and we always play tough cricket. So, we've had a few winter training camps, which have gone really well. Um, so, hopefully, we have a 
a good sort of run of fixtures, um, including the DPL this year, and, and hopefully we can start sort of putting some learnings into practice and, and better ourselves to hopefully taking down India in the number one uh, PD team in the future. Yeah, I was going to come to some of your accolades because you were a World Cup winner in 2015. Should we talk about yeah. that first? Yeah, you can do. Yeah. Right. So, just in case the listeners are not aware, where was the World Cup held? Um, so this was in Bangladesh, um, in Dhaka, a famous place called the BKSP that will live long in the memory of all the PD lads and coaches, players, etc. Yeah, so that was the first ever World Cup for PD cricket. Um, so it was so it was quite a special event, really. And which nations took part, and which teams did you play against? So we played against Pakistan, which we obviously had a lot of info on anyway because we played them two tours before that. Um, India, Bangladesh, and Afghanistan as well, which was they were just unknown species to us basically. Um, we knew, I think India, Afghanistan and Pakistan had, had maybe played some kind of series against each other before, but for us it was just, um, for us we knew if we if we kind of beat Pakistan, we knew we had a good chance of winning the whole series as they was the number one side at the, at the moment then. Right, so you beat, uh, so there was the, the four teams taking part, was there? Um, five altogether. So us, um, yeah, us, Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, um, and Afghanistan. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I didn't hear properly. So who did you play in the final? So we actually played Pakistan in the final. Right. Okay. Um, so it was quite. Um, we beat them in the group stage, which was a massive sort of chip off our shoulder for us because they'd beaten us in two series beforehand. And to beat him in a knockout, well, to beat him in a group stage, um, was quite a big, big sort of chip off our shoulder and a big, a big sort of positive view on, on how well we was playing currently at the time and and how strong we was, um. So then we played him in the final and we scored our highest ever T Twenty score at the time, um. So we knew at half time we we was quite. You know, in a strong position. I think I'll I'll go back to a moment that I thought of. Like I look back on now and I go, you know what? We'd we'd beat them at half time, and me and Jordan Williams was batting, um, and we was the last pair. Um, we've you know we we've, we've left everything out there batting. We've run twos when we shouldn't have got twos. We've run threes when we shouldn't have, um, and we've left everything out there. But both of us ran off. Considering we sometimes we used to open the ball in together as well, we both ran off, sprinted into the changing rooms to get changed and ready to bowl. And all the Pakistan players just walked off very slowly with no energy left. And I look back now and go, well, you know, we probably hadn't beat at half time because um, they just looked so down in the in themselves and they just looked like they had no energy left. Um, so the momentum was definitely with us and. And luckily we won by about twenty, thirty runs, and it was, uh, it was a special, it was a special two weeks, and uh, it'll live long in the memory of all the boys. Okay, and we'll now we'll now go and talk about um, becoming a, a runner-up in, at the World Championships. 
and that yeah. was in that was in Worcester, wasn't it? Yeah, so Worcester has kind of become our home of PD cricket, you could say, and and more or less disability cricket as well. Um, the support that the Worcester board and their council have given us in the past um, few tournaments that we played there is amazing. Um, you know, they treat us like we kind of treat us like royalty down there. They've they've just announced a an indoor specific disability cricket venue. Um, which is amazing to see. So that they're starting to build that, and that I think that'll be our um, training base for all all winter camps, which is which is going to be special for for the future of sort of disability cricket. But yeah, Worcester was a Worcester was the venue, unfortunately for us to to lose in the final to India. Yeah, I went to that game. I took a, a young Shropshire lad with us, um, Adam Marshall. We both went to that game. And uh, we watched the final, and uh, it was against India on that day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And... So we, yeah, so we, um, so basically how it worked, if you finished top of the group, you went straight to the final, and second and third played off against each other in the semi final just before the final. So we had to play two games that day where India had to play one. You know, I'm not, I'm not being bitter or anything there, but now um, there was the better team on that day. Um, and like some of the hit, like you mentioned before, just before we got onto this show, yeah. some of the hitting, some of the hitting from the Indians, <laughs> massive, were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you, you just had to stand there in our really and go fair play. I think you could have been in one of those hotel rooms and you still wouldn't have caught it. <laughs> oh yeah, someone, someone was, was probably m- having a little nap and unfortunately <laughs> probably got woken up. Massive, massive six. Yeah, there was some um, bigots. Right. Um, is there anything left for you to achieve in disability cricket? Um, there's everything left. Um, every time I step on a pitch, I want to personally, I want to score a hundred. I want to take a five for. I want to, you know, score a fifty, etc. Um, so there's everything left personally. You know, I'd love to be um, up there with one of the best disability players that England have produced. But more so as a team, there's literally. Every game we we play as a as an international team, we you know we're trying to we're trying to win, we're trying to create winning records, we're trying to be the be the squad that have won the most games together, etc. And we're trying to win as many World Cups as possible and as many series as possible. So there's absolutely everything still to achieve. You know we've not really achieved anything so far. We've won one World Cup, but we've we've lost um, two or three finals. Um, in 2018, in 2019, and in 2016. So uh, there's still plenty to to achieve, and I think the boys know that. And and we're all sort of working our own goals into the into the teams, um, into the teams' aims and objectives, and hopefully it'll all come together in a few years if we if we're lucky enough to tour again. Okay. And uh, you, you mentioned earlier on that you played in the very first Disability Premier League. Yeah. And from what I've heard, that is going to go, uh, that is going to be repeated again this season. So what was it like playing in the first one? It was good. I think all the boys were actually surprised by how well it was really ran. Uh, it was nice to have like your own little kits. Uh, nice to see a bit of advertising around the grounds and a bit of money spent on it. Um and it was just nice to see sort of the facilities you played at as well. Um, so we played at Caldy, 
Um, oh no, not Calder. Um, I forgot the name of it now. The first one. Was uh, the first one in Cheshire? Yeah, I forgot the name of the ground. I don't know it. It was playing in Cheshire, and it was a really lovely ground. You know, two pitches. Um, but yeah, it's just the just a standard of it as well. It's I think it was really good from. I look at a lot of things from a coaching perspective as well, um, and just to see some of the, you know, I say this loosely, some of the fringe players um, in county cricket who who are close to stepping up to maybe international cricket, um, just to see, you know, them in around the environment of of international players and and how it all works. You know, it was really good experience for them, mm-hmm. just to see maybe where they need to be, what they need to do, you know, where they could improve, etc. So I think it'll be good in the long run. I, th- I don't think we'll see the benefits until four, five, six years down the line of the DPL. I think at the minute it'll just um, it'll just keep running through and then we'll hopefully see the benefits in four, five, six years' time when these younger lads are coming through. Um, they're maturing, they're getting more experience and then hopefully you're seeing a flurry of of international players challenging for spots. And, and do you have the names of anybody there we're to keep an eye on for the future? Oh, it's dropping me in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't rehearse that one. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, there's a fair few, there really is. And, you know, I can I can speak from a PD perspective that there's, there's plenty of talent in the PD group. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully a few of the lads come through. There's a lad called Anthony Clapham that I got on really well with. Um, he was in my team, and you know I'd love to see him in the get into the England PD squad as a. As I think he's 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 pretty well um, he's pretty well suited to the squad. He's quite talented, and hopefully he gets a gig pretty soon. Um, but there's plenty like there's so many lads in the around the LD environment as well that are pushing for places. Um, then the deaf lads as well. I know the deaf lads have gone through a bit of a. A transition in recent years, I suppose. Um, as I've, I think there's been a few changes in terms of profiling, etc. Um, and I think they're just getting back onto their feet, which is great to see. And there's there's lots of um, young talent coming through for them. Um, so hopefully, like I say, there's there's plenty of. I think it will be four or five years before you see the real advantages of the DPL and 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 all the flurry of young young talent getting more experience and coming through and challenging for spots it's great to hear and if you ever want to contact the show you can contact us on twitter and our twitter address is at disability so that's disability spelled capital d i s a b i l i t y crick which is spelled c capital c r i c and then the number one so that's at disability crick one and disability is a capital D and crick is a capital C. So uh, that's the the Twitter address. If you want to contact us by email, you can do at disability cricket pod. So that's disability cricket pod pod at gmail.com. I'll be quite happy to have you contact me at the email address or on Twitter. You can drop me a message on there. And uh, that's if you want to send us any any news features or information you want us to mention on future episodes. Or if you want to appear 
in a future episode yourself. Just drop me an email or contact me on Twitter. And now we come to the subject, which um, I've, I've, I did ask your permission about this, and it isn't really something yeah. I, I want you to talk too much about. But I think I think it does need to be mentioned that you were once trolled, weren't you? Yeah, so I did the kit launch um, last season um, for the ECB, promoting the new international kits, so the T20 and the ODI. And then when it went out on social media, which was a, a massive thing for me, first of all, because, you know, just to be the face of sort of disability cricket, presenting the new jersey, it was great. Um, to go down and have this big professional photo shoot at Loughborough, it was really good. And then it was just all the comments I got online once it got posted, you know. At first, I just laughed them off. Um, and then I looked on a different social media site and there was all on there, still just hundreds of comments. So, you know, it just got to me at the end of the day. It was just... It was just a pain in the backside, really. Um, something that, some things that didn't need to be said from people, but unfortunately, that's social media these days, and and that's the world we're living. Unfortunately, it's too easy to hide behind a keyboard, though, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, you, you could just know. create a dummy account, or even if you if you're brave enough, use your own account, type a load of silly words, not realizing that they can actually upset people. And exactly, it's, unfortunately, you know that's just. Like you say, there's too many social media and there's too much of all that going on these days. Yeah, uh, I try my best not to swear on this podcast, so I'm not going to, but they're bloody idiots, aren't they? <laughs> it's just <laughs> no need to it. You know, no, we, no. we all see celebrities on the telly and we all see them doing silly things, but we don't get our laptops out and start posting on their accounts or, or, or making stupid comments you might say something in your front room to your partner oh they're, they're looking a bit silly or oh look at this photo oh they're a bit you know because sometimes photos cannot be flattering but you don't yeah. go onto social media and tell people it's just not needed you know there was that big campaign years ago when it was it be kind yeah you know yeah but that people lasted about a minute yeah <laughs> you know if it ain't you they'll pick it on someone else and you know I'd imagine big celebrity people, they get a bit of media training. We're talking, you know, your Callum, who plays disability cricket. Fair enough, you play it for England, but you're not a celebrity and you're not not getting any kind of extra support. But when you needed it, you got it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, the ECB was really good. Uh, Ian Martin, Neil Bradshaw, you know, they took all the comments down and and stuff straight away. Uh, Ashley Giles sent me a message. Uh, Joe Root left me a voicemail um, so it was really good in terms of that aspect some of the England women uh, messaged me and and you know just just explained that you know the women some of the women unfortunately go through it as well so um, some of them were just saying you know unfortunately it happens you know keep your head up etc so it was really nice of all the all the ECB uh, the players and the and the staff to to get behind it and and Send me a nice little message, you know, as it was good of him. I know the guy I'm speaking to tomorrow, he's been uh, trolled as well. Um, So it's not nice. It's not needed, you know. No, no, it's ridiculous. It's It's, it's just pathetic behaviour, really. It is. 
people can actually lose their jobs for that. Uh, you know, people, employers have social media policies now, and you know, you're not just responsible for what you do in in your work or in your office. You're also responsible. You're actually representing your company sometimes on social yeah, media. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Silly. Right, we'll move on from that. Right, this is a new. I'm going to ask you some pretty silly questions now. Um, just so that people get to know you as a person. Uh, if you were to have an imaginary dinner with three people, uh, any three people you want, they don't have to be alive, they can be dead as well, so they could be famous, they could be relatives, they could be anybody. Who would that be and what would you serve them? Um, oh, I've been thinking about this recently, actually. I think one of them would be Rod Stewart. Um, I think one of them would probably be Neil Diamond. And I think the third one would potentially be like Muhammad Ali, someone on that stature. Yeah, I think that's not a bad three to go for. I'd have a couple more spots, you know. You got your you got your people like David Beckham's, your your Andrew Flintoffs as well, but but that's not a bad three, I don't think. And what would um, you serve them? What would I serve them? Oh. Um I love a gammon egg and chips. You can't you just can't <laughs> be a solid pump pub gammon egg and chips like that, so it's gotta be that. Do you know what I had? Well, you wouldn't know what I had, but the other day, right, I, I took my wife to her. She, she had a funeral to go to. Um, yeah. And she ended up staying at her mom's the night before. And uh, I took her down and she went, so what are you going to have for your tea? And I went, I don't know. <laughs> so I went to the local shop and I just went and bought myself a, a bag of frozen chips. Obviously, chips were easy. Throw them in the oven. Yeah. And I bought chicken nuggets and beans. <laughs> it's a solid tea. It is a solid, it's a solid tea. Chicken nuggets, chips and beans. Not much, but it... it... You know, it touches touches the right areas. It, and if and if Les Randall is listening, I didn't eat too many. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Right, another silly question. Obviously, we'll we'll talk about the England squad because you're not playing for Lancashire at the moment. You're playing for England, right? When you're on the on the team bus or on the team plane, or sorry, when you're on a plane with the team, you don't have a yeah. team plane. Who who do you not want to sit next to? Um. Danny Am, only because he's got history for spewing on the plane. Oh, right. So and I wouldn't like to. And who's, who's, next to him. who's the team joker? Oh, team. Probably Danny Am. <laughs> Danny Am, <laughs> uh, Jordan Williams, and Liam Thomas. Definitely the three jokers. Who's the best trainer? Oh, best trainer. Um, Matt Askin's always up there. Um, great trainer. Dan Ronaldo's always puts top effort in. Who's um, the who's the worst trainer? Worst trainer. Oh. Who's the worst trainer? Jordan Williams is a, is a sly one sometimes, you know. He'll often do eight press ups instead of ten, something like that. <laughs> um Yeah, it, I'll go Jord. I know you all wear the same clothes, but who's got the best dress sense? Um, best dress sense. Jamie Goodwin's just Jamie Goodwin ticks everything that that is sort of the best. He's just a solid all-round bloke that that don't go wrong in many areas. You'd say you'd say Gooders. Who's got the worst trainers? Worst <laughs> trainers. Alex Allen wears some horrendous um, slippers, kind of stuff that he'll that he'll probably laugh about. Um, the, he gets the odd comment on camps. Um, and who else? Yeah, I'd, I'd say Al. Who smells the nicest? Smells the nicest. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't get that close to too many of them. Um, 
just gonna say myself. Uh, yeah, it's, it'd, it'd be a bit, it'd be a bit freaky if you said something else, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> and uh, oh, finally, what's the what's the what's the final question? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, we've said the worst dress answer. Oh, the best dancer. Who's the best dancer? Best dancer. Oh, um, oh. James Kirtley was a cracking dancer when he was around the squad. Oh, sorry. One more, because uh, this is homage to, uh, I think it was uh, James Norden, actually. Who's the best at FIFA? Oh, I actually don't know. Um, I'm not a FIFA person. I'm not a massive on and stuff like that. Um, I remember Sutz. I remember Ben Sutz was, well, he got beat one game at Worcester and I think a few things went flying around the student accommodation. I think that, that might be the same story James Nordin told me. Yeah, I know Liam O'Brien's pretty good at Madden. He's, he's basically like, um, I think he's like the best in England or the best in Europe at Madden. I think you've done quite well there. You haven't really offended anybody there. So, no, uh, no. <laughs> when, you go to your, like when you go to your next training camp, I think people are going to not, not really give you a hard time for some of the answers, apart from the people who've got bad trainers and bad dressings. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> Uh, we like to end this podcast usually by saying, uh, have you got any cricket disability cricketing stories you'd like to share? Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty. Um, I think one of the best one of the best memories in terms of disability cricket wasn't even a game. I think it was when uh, we lost the final against India in 2019 and we all went back to the accommodation. Me and the skipper at the time, still call him skipper now, uh, me and then, I think we, we flew to the shop, just got a load of beer, um, we ordered a load of pizzas, and we just sat outside the accommodation in on the actual campus for probably about two to three hours, just all the lads, um, all the management, um, a couple of girlfriends, a couple of you know family, and we were just having a good drink, um, and just, yeah, it's just one of them moments where you go, you know what, this is... This is kind of why you do it. Um, obviously, you do it to win World Cups, and but like them, them memories last a lifetime. Um, and it was a pretty special night. To be fair, we all absolutely loved it. And you know that that's a cracking answer, uh, a cracking story. Um, and it reminds me when I've played in three. I, I, I do tell this quite a lot. I've played in three national finals. I've lost every single one, but every single national final I've been to, I've always took a crate of beer with me. Yeah. And we don't open it until we finish the game, you know what I mean? Yeah. We um after the final we did we the I think the management sorted out us a few crates of beer and was in the change rooms at Worcester New Road. Um and we did our fines for the for the tour that like after that and we had a bit of fun just having a bit of a joke and a laugh at um at the expense of each and every one of us really. Um and just just having a drink with the lads, it was just just one of the moments where you just look back and you go, you know, we're lucky to be doing this and and to to make the friendships that we have um, and to see how close we all are as a squad, considering we only probably meet up 50, 50 days a year max. So it's it's pretty special to be fair. Okay. Right, I'd like to thank you for joining the Disability Cricket Podcast today. I'd like to thank you for obviously taking time out and sharing all of this information you've given to us today. I'd like oh, to wish no you all problem. the success in the future. 
Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Oh, then. It's a pleasure.